We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Pack of Day Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Packaday Podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Packaday Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Pack-A-Day podcast, or what we're probably calling today Packers Therapy. I am your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. And my guest, of course, is the one and only Perry Goldstein. Perry, where can they follow you, and how the heck are you feeling after that abysmal showing from your Green Bay Packers? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. Uh, that's where all the things are. Um, how am I feeling? Disappointed is the only word I can think of mostly just because it's been a very long off season. Every off season's long, but like this one felt especially long. And all I wanted to do is watch some Packers football and we didn't even get a touchdown. So just very, very disappointed. Yeah. Let me start with the the question of the day, Perry. And I'm curious your response on this. Who was your Green Bay Packer player of the game in this game? Like, I, I have no idea how you select a player. I want to know. Okay, go ahead. I want to hear who your player of the game is. Elton Jenkins. Because you made the tackle on the interception? Yes, but more just that, like, that guy just moved out to probably the hardest job of the offense. And it's not his normal role. And it's normally David Bakhtiari. And he wasn't a problem. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think... I think Jair Alexander only got thrown at once and it was the one time they like got off the field on a third down and actually held to a field goal. Mason Crosby had three things to do the entire game, uh, make a field goal and kick two kicks out of the end zone. And he was three for three. So um, I guess he gets a hundred percent on his grade for the day. So outside of that, it is very, 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 very difficult to pick a player of the game uh, in this one. I, I think you picked a good one in Jenkins. Um, Let's let's go over, though, because there's there's so much to dive into. And I think just to, you know, spoiler alert slash trigger warning, probably not the most fun items to discuss uh, off the top. But I think it's important to go over them. And, and I think the only thing we can really start with here is what went wrong. And I have a couple ideas on my own. I'm sure you and I are probably going to have matching ideas on multiple. But in your mind, what went wrong besides everything? Oh, see, you stole my answer. Um Wow. 
I, I feel like I kind of have to synthesize because we're going to probably have a discussion about this, but the Packers had no rhythm on offense. Like that first half just felt completely disjointed and you expect them year three in the playbook, you know, even you and I were both at camp, right? Like the offense was clicking in camp yeah. to be able to like put it together on the field. And there was just absolutely no rhythm Obviously, you cannot win or score if you cannot convert a third down. Um, they lost the time of possession by like everything. Like they, they just couldn't, they just couldn't do anything. And then the defense couldn't stop the Saints. Um, that's that's what went wrong. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And I that was one of the ones I had written down as well as every key indicator, right? Every single key indicator of who's going to win the game, turnovers, third down percentage, passer rating, efficiency, time of possession, literally everything went to the saints. And it wasn't like it was close. Like Packers lost the turnover battle three to nothing like third downs. The green Bay got their first one with Jordan love in the fourth quarter. I believe the saints were 50% on third down. Um, Obviously the passer rating Aaron Rodgers was abysmal and Jameis Winston had five touchdowns, even though he didn't basically even have any yardages like just everything you could possibly imagine went in the Saints favor which of course is going to indicate that you lost the game Um, but I, I mentioned yesterday on the video the number one thing that I was really watching um early in this game and wanted to see how how it kind of trended out was the play in the trenches because Perry as much as we love to talk about Aaron, the Aaron Rodgers and the Devonta Adams and the Aaron Jones and uh Jair Alexanders and things like that like there is a huge percentage of games that, and I know it's lame and cliche and boring and whatever, but are simply won and lost in the trenches. And I, I just finished up going back and rewatching um, on the condensed version of the game on Game Pass. It is mind blowing, and I know it felt bad um, in the moment, but it is mind blowing how poorly the Packers played in the trenches defensively. Tampa Bay was, or excuse me, Tampa Bay felt like Tampa Bay from a season ago. New Orleans um, in the trenches was blowing Green Bay off the ball, uh, whether it was Kingsley Kiki, Tyler Lancaster, Dean Lowry. There were multiple people on the ground. You saw the play where Z couldn't set the edge. There were a few different plays like that. It was once again, gap integrity on a few different plays. Um, It was all of it. And they could not win even remotely in the trenches. And then on the other side, you did see it like Aaron Rodgers mentioned after the game that he thought the offensive line held up. Okay. And I, I think, or I, I think even said, well, um, and I think there were some positive signs at times from the offensive line, but if you just watch it in comparison, the Packers uh, defensive line getting pushed back the entirety of the game, whereas the saints defensive line pushing the Packers offensive line back more often than not in the game, the Packers lost the trenches in this decisively and they lost the score decisively. I know there was a lot that went wrong, but to me, that was one a where everything just went awry from there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You said it. Um, And you know, it shows in the rushing yards, right? Like the saints, I think had over a hundred, rushing yards by the half and the Packers ended the game with 26 and you're just if you're that unbalanced on offense you're not going to have a successful game and you're not going to score points and have you know long drives they had one good drive that of course ended in like a very uncharacteristic turnover by Aaron Rodgers and I think that's another thing about this game that went wrong was just things that you usually rely on like Aaron Rodgers' accuracy wasn't there and so when you're losing that everything just kind of crumbles and this probably is something we'll get into a little bit but I just find that the Matt LaFleur era has been when the Packers spiral 
they just spiral bad and they still don't know how to come back from any kind of deficit. And in the first half, like 14 points is something this Packers offense should be able to come back from. And you just knew kind of watching it that they were, they might not have been able to, especially once that turnover happened. I like that you brought up balance because I think that's a very important aspect that people lose focus on because and it is it is unbelievable how important it is for an offense to be able to call anything at any time and the defense not to know what's coming. It's why it's so important for an offense to generate a lead to get to the the opposing team just to get in pass, 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 pass scenarios because then you can open up all of your blitz packages. Then you know what's coming. Defenders can tee off and they know they can get up the field to rush the passer. When you have to play everything all at once, when you have to play assignment sure, read all your keys, know that it could be a bootleg, a play action. They could go a, a quick trap play. Like just everything is at your disposal. It makes offense so much easier. And for the majority of last season and in the Matt LaFleur era, we've seen Matt LaFleur make this offense easier uh, by having all of those things available at most times. But to your point, and this is one of the things I definitely wanted to get into as well, is for as as really great as Matt LaFleur has been in his time in Green Bay so far, one of the things that I think he personally and this team has struggled with is playing what I consider on tilt when they go down, just even down in a game. It doesn't even necessarily have to be down big. And for those of you who aren't familiar, it's more of a poker term. It's basically if you're at a poker table and you lose a big hand, like you all of a sudden are now betting big into the next one to try to win your money back. And then you lose that one. So now you're pushing everything in to try to win your money back on those two. And all of a sudden, before you know it, things are spiraling out of control and you're just trying to win money with crappy hands just because you are frustrated and everything's not going your way rather than being patient and, and just trying to let the game come back to you. To me, that is something they have done a very poor job of um, when they have gotten down. And you saw it today, like as soon as um, they got down and especially double digits when they were down 14, it was a bunch of five wide stuff. They completely abandoned running the football. I, th- I thought the, the first drive of the second half, they tried to get back some semblance and then had the interception. And then that's when it really spiraled. But this is not new. This has happened in the San Francisco games. This has happened in the, uh, the Chargers game. This has happened in the Buccaneers game last season in the regular season. This is not the first time that this has happened. And I do think they have to figure out a way that Hey, if we go down double digits, we have to stick with what's working. And, yeah. and I, I get it. if there's six minutes left in the game and you're down 14, by all means, bomb away. I get it. But like if you're in the second quarter, early third quarter, like you've got to still let your stuff come to you. Yeah, it's panic and it's desperation. And I I kind of almost wish that the team would almost ignore the scoreboard and just go out and play their brand of football because the Packers football, this offense can score a lot of points. We've seen them score a lot of points. And so if they just went out there and did what they do, regardless of being down two scores, they likely could come back from this, but instead, exactly like you said, they kind of panic and just try to catch up. It's like almost like they're trying to score two touchdowns at once, which you can't do. But do you know what I mean? It's that, that set, that feeling on the field of just, utter disaster when in reality two touchdown deficit is something that they can come back from especially when you know you're getting the kickoff in the second half and you if you score a touchdown you know you go into the half with three you come out you score a touchdown then all of a sudden it's 14 10 and that's an incredibly manageable game but they just really kind of 
like I said, I just think about it as like spiraling out of control, like almost have like an anxiety attack on the field. No, it really does feel that way. And they again, they have to figure out a way to kind of just stay within themselves in those situations. And it's something they did a very poor job of this in this game. And it, and it definitely hurt them. I don't know in this game, frankly, how much it would have ultimately made the difference in a final, you know, in a final result standpoint. I think maybe they, the score would have been better. And I, I think the Saints were just better in all facets in this game. But I know, Perry, on Twitter, uh, you mentioned uh, as we were going to record this today that you had some grievances that you wanted to air. I guess Festivus is coming just a tad early this year but uh by all means i have a couple i'd like to get off my chest as well but by all means please air some grievances okay my first we kind of already touched down but like why does matt lafleur abandon the run when they're down we have aaron jones and aj Dillon, who are both incredibly dynamic and you should lean on them second is this defense looked exactly the same as it did last season. We brought in Joe Barry to do something different, to implement some kind of new scheme, Brandon Staley, Vic Fangio, whatever it is you want to call it, some brand new, and it looked absolutely the same. It looked like Mike Patton was still the defensive coordinator. There was no pass rush. And I get that Z is limited, but Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith and Kenny Clark couldn't get to Jameis Winston. And again, I understand this is a very good Saints offense, but you couldn't get to Jameis at all, like at all. I, I I just, I don't. And then you have Kevin King doing, and you tweeted it right before we started recording, which just is like a knife in the heart. But you, you know, you have Kevin King out there making the exact same mistakes. It just looks like they've spent an entire off season learning absolutely nothing from their mistakes from last season. And it's, again, it's just, it's so disappointing because you feel like the tools are there. Like you have these incredible pieces and players and they can't put it together. And I'm getting kind of sick of it. And I'm thinking now like, okay, it's very early and I do not want to make any kind of bold statements. There's a lot of season left, but at some point you have to think, okay, this is our third coordinator in not too many seasons. Like, is it the coordinator or is it the defense? Like now is it is it the personnel that they're using? They they made the decision to bring back the same guys. They're not yeah. they're not they're not getting it done. They're just they're not getting it done. And at the beginning of the game, it felt like they were handling Alvin Kamara quite nicely. And then that kind of fell apart. Um, that was like my only kind of you know, asterisk on the first half was like they were handling him. Um, but then it, it just, it, it, it fell apart. So my grievances are really with the defense right now. Packers football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Packer tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Personally, I can't wait for that first game back at Lambeau Field, Packers-Lions with fans in the stands again. I've already got my tickets from TickPick, and I'll be there watching Monday Night Football in person. I absolutely cannot wait. Visit TickPick.com slash Packaday today and use promo code Packaday to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I think that's fair. And that was number one on my list as well. We're once again in lockstep there. I, I tweeted this out, but I, I even put some more thought. Like to me, this felt like you have a struggling restaurant that has some good ingredients, but it also has some iffy ingredients. And you decide it's getting bad reviews online. So you decide, you know what? We think we have the right ingredients. We're going to maybe change out French fries for curly fries, which is like the uh, linebacker move from Christian Kirksey to Devondre Campbell. You went from French fries to curly fries, but everything else on the menu is staying the exact same. We're going to bring in a different chef. Oh, by the way, that chef also has very poor reviews from his last two restaurants that he's been at. And now we're going to do a you know brand new grand opening of this restaurant. And guess what? It's the same food, stands for one appetizer. It's the same ingredients and the chef wasn't anything to write home about in the first place. And now you've got the same floundering restaurant. That's what I equated it to. And (laughs) I I don't want to jump to conclusions here, right? Because this is one game and I think it would be unfair to Joe Barry to (laughs) judge the future of his uh, defensive coordinatorship in Green Bay based off this one performance. And he still has to, you know, sort of learn what his guys can do, what they can't do and and those sort of things. I think he deserves that at minimum, but obviously not a great first impression. And Perry, I I went through a situation this offseason where I was I was fairly bold in my takes going in saying like, 
hey, like I, I don't think there's any chance Green Bay brings back Kevin King, Dean Lowry, Preston Smith, Tyler Lancaster. Like maybe one or you know maybe one of those guys is back on a cheap deal, something like that. But that was their opportunity. Like they could have got out of King. They paid six million for King. They could have got out of Lowry. They didn't need to bring back Lancaster. They could have got out of Preston Smith. That was their opportunity to say, hey, we have maybe you know fifteen ish plus million here to work with with those three guys if we let them go. Maybe we can go out and get a player to that could we think might be able to help us more and, and maybe change things up a little bit because what we had last season didn't go. As you know, I go through and grade every player on every play, and I, I it's a painstaking process. But these four players in particular, King, Lowry, Lancaster, and Preston, were really bad a season ago for the most part. Um, and to me, you look at this first game. I thought Preston started off in the first quarter with a pretty good game. I, I'm I'm excited to see, or at least interested to see, how he played for the remainder of the game um, when I go back and hopefully put on the All-22, assuming I can get uh, actual All-22 film. But you go back, Kevin King has the play he's beat deep on again. Dean Lowry was getting beat off the line of scrimmage all game. Tyler Lancaster was getting beat off the line of scrimmage all game. There were again. It's the it's the same ingredients. It's the same problems. There was no upgrade. There's no change, and we saw. I said the same results, but I think many were arguing worse results in this yeah. game than we saw through the majority of last season. So no, I think it is a very fair grievance based on one game up until this point. And even when the Packers do go out and maybe try to fill some of those holes, you know, you don't see Eric Stokes out there really. I didn't see TJ Slayton out there at all. Jack Heflin wasn't even activated. Like, why are you keeping these guys on your 53 if you're not going to use them when you're down by like 30 points? Like, at least try something and put them out there to see if they can make a change or make an impact on the game. It's, it's, the personnel decisions are confusing. Yeah. And I, and it, and it, it's on both aspects, right? It's on the general manager and and the front office of bringing back players that have not been effective for multiple seasons now um, and expecting a different result. Um, and it's also on the coaching staff uh, because, you know, you can say Brian Gudikins did bring in an Eric Stokes. He did bring in a Jack Heflin and, and some of these guys. And, and hey, if, if the ones that are on the front lines aren't getting it done, then yeah, it's time to try something else. So either way, um, again, they, they didn't, uh, <laughs> They didn't play up to expectations. They, you know, whether it was a little bit of ego, whether it was a little bit of whatever, um, they definitely need to learn from this game. I think they will, but a lot of a lot of frustrations and a lot of grievances to air. Let's let's move over to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, we talked a little bit about the on tilt play calling. Um, Obviously, Rodgers was uncharacteristic in, in the turnovers, uh, both in the red zone. He's hit on that play. There's some pressure on the second play, trying to throw it up to MVS. Frankly, even if the safety wasn't there, that was a poor throw on third down that MVS had no opportunity for. In fact, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who I believe was in coverage on the play, had better uh, you know, route to the ball than MVS did at that point. And then, of course, Marcus Williams was there, which doesn't make things that much easier. Three turnovers on offense. Aaron Rodgers, 15 of 28. 133 yards, no touchdowns, two picks, 36.8 rating. Their third down offense, as we mentioned, didn't get a first down until the fourth quarter with Jordan Lovin. It was, I, I actually, it'd be an interesting question. I'm interested to see what you think. Who, who played worse, the offense or the defense in this game? Because I think you can make a very strong argument for either one. It was just sad. Yeah. I hate to make this my argument, but I think the offense did because of expectations. 
I yeah, think that's fair. Part, part of the defense, right, new defensive coordinator, we already talked about kind of some of these issues already existed. So they're not new. You'd hope that they could find a way to fix them, but they're not new. This offense regressed, right? Like the defense was somewhere around what we've seen previously, but this offense was not the offense that we know that it can be. And of course that starts with Aaron Rodgers, but it, it actually, it all falls on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders, right? Like you expect him to play to the caliber in which you know he can play. I think this is one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. I, I have a hard time thinking of a worse game except when he was hurt. And he's even played hurt better than we saw tonight. Like you think about, I mean, this is a unfair example, but you've seen that guy come out on a on a torn you know, knee ligament and beat the bears 20 to nothing, you know, come back from a 20 to nothing. You know what he's capable of is my point. And like, he doesn't throw multiple interceptions. He's the most accurate passer of the football in the league. He didn't even throw a touchdown. And I think what makes it worse to me is we spent the off season talking about how the Packers have to have Aaron Rodgers back. He's the best quarterback in the league last season. They need him back. Jordan Love's not ready. You know, there's there's a there was a lot around he's proven his ability. He's proven that he deserves, you know, a say in personnel, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. His play on the field today did not show us anything. He does it did not show that he has nothing to prove. It shows that he's human, fine. He's he has bad games, but there was been so much ego involved with this. And then he comes out and does not back it up on the field. And I think it makes it so much, it makes it so much worse. It doesn't help, right? Like if you're, if you're going to be on the pregame show before the game, still airing your grievances, um, at least maybe come out and have a, a better performance. Uh, that certainly would be better for optics. If you're in the, you know, Aaron Rodgers camp in that situation. But um, I, I'm a mostly believer in the fact that I do think that for some time now, Aaron Rodgers has had a bit of kryptonite. And I, and what I mean by that is Aaron Rodgers talked in the press conference, post-game press conference about how the saints played a lot of cover two shell. That has been a bit of an issue for Aaron Rodgers and what teams have liked to have done. And Perry, you obviously know this as well, but pay, play a lot of press man up front with two safeties over the top. And Aaron Rodgers is unlike today usually is insanely risk averse. So if there's a guy close to his receiver, he wants to look to his next receiver, next receiver, next receiver. If not, he feels like he can, you know, kind of scramble around by time. He wants to find an open player and with cover two shell, no shot plays over the top, which we know he likes to look for those big plays down the field. That's going to eliminate that. And with the press man underneath, that's going to take away all of those, you know, potentially if you're in zone, somebody's going to flash open. He knows how to read zone so well. And now all of a sudden, you know, if, if, if there's a guy even close to his receivers, he's a little bit more trigger shy in, in pulling the trigger in some of those sort of situations. What we saw with Matt LaFleur, over, especially last season, and we talked about it earlier, was that balance on offense. If you're going to play a ton of cover two shell, we're going to run the ball right down your throat. It's going to be a lot of Aaron Jones. It's going to be a lot of jet sweeps and motions. We are going to force you to get out of that cover two shell. And then once you come down out of that cover two shell, the Rams game was a phenomenal example of that, who are the cover two shell kings of the world last year, but they kept running right up the middle. They used a ton of different formations and just disguises to make it so that the Rams had five and six man boxes against the run. We saw big plays by AJ Dillon. We saw plays by Aaron. And Jones, all of a sudden they had to bring that safety up. And now Green Bay's hitting shot plays down the field. If you don't get to that, 
if you get out of your offense and they can just play press man, two guys over the top, and now Aaron Rodgers isn't really, you know, sort of scrambling as much anymore, like it becomes an issue. We saw it against Tampa Bay. And especially if your offensive line isn't quite holding up, which again, Tampa Bay last year, we saw it against the 49ers in the NFC championship game where Bosa and company were getting extreme pressure on him. And it's just a complete recipe for disaster. And I, I honestly think Perry, I don't think that they, if they win the toss anymore, I, they should not be kicking off. This is their, their strength is not their defense. Their yeah. strength is their offense. This is a defense that plays better if they have a lead because they can be a little bit more aggressive. And this is an offense that's a little bit of a front-running offense that plays better from ahead when they can stay on pace with everything. And if they don't, this is not the first time we saw this. And we were going to talk about this later, but we might as well talk about it now. This is the fifth time in the Matt LaFleur era now where the team just didn't show up to a game. Two games against the 49ers um, in 2019, a game against the Chargers in 2019, a game against the Buccaneers uh, in the regular season last year, and now uh, the, the Saints in Jacksonville this year. All five games on the road all basically had the same things happen where they got out of their rhythm early and then it was done. They had no way of getting back in. And this is this is starting to become a little bit more of a concern. If, if, if you have one or two games or even like one game a season where like, you know, your team just is, you know isn't up for the game. But like one of those was an NFC championship game. The other was a huge game against the Bucs uh, on the road a season ago, which everyone was hyped up and talking about beforehand. Now it's the opening game of the season. Like it's it's a little bit concerning at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It did feel actually now that you mentioned very like that Chargers game it did. where you kind of expect this to be something that the Packers can win. And then all of a sudden nothing's working on offense. He can't Rogers can't connect with Devante. I mean, he barely did tonight. I think the Saints actually did a really great job covering Devante, which is a really difficult thing to do. And he's kind of Rogers is just trying to force things. And when he forces things and he goes off script, especially with the with Matt LaFleur's offense, it doesn't go well. The ball doesn't move. And yeah, it's I this is what I mean by spiraling and like the inability to come back from behind is it's these games and they happen often enough. The Packers aren't always going to be up by a couple of touchdowns. It's just it's not going to happen. And a good team, you saw it if you watch the Chiefs game at the same time as the Packers today. The Chiefs were down 22 to 10 and they came back and they won the game because they just let that offense do what it does with Pat Mahomes and good teams are able to overcome those deficits, I think. And I think it's a big reason why the Packers potentially haven't been able to get over the hump of the NFC championship game. So you're going to go up against this, the next best team in the NFC and you can't beat them. If you're always only winning from ahead. I think that the kickoff thing is interesting. I'd be curious to see if they change the way they do that from now on. I don't know, like, if you're noticing it, maybe they are too. Maybe they need to listen to Andy Herman. I don't know. I doubt I, that. <laughs> I just, I'm curious what you thought about the offensive line because I, I would, I have to go back and watch the replay, but I felt like they gave Rodgers plenty of time tonight. Like, I didn't think that he was, he obviously had pressure and there was the one sack but I didn't think that there was a ton of, you know, him just like needing to get the ball out really quick and making like short, bad decisions. Like it felt like he had plenty of time to get the ball out and just nobody was open for him. 
Yeah, on the the first interception in the red zone, Royce Newman got completely smoked. I think it was Cameron Jordan on that play, but he got completely smoked on that play. Outside of that, I didn't think it was bad, and I think Rodgers mostly had time. But again, if you, I think when I was watching the line of scrimmage, it was still they were getting pushed backwards, and it wasn't. Like there's a different there's there's a quick pressure there's like the Aaron Donald pressure like right up the middle right and and like a Cameron Jordan can do that from time to time you'll see a Z Z did that on the play that he got the you know roughing the passer on like there's a handful of guys that can do that that quick sort of pressure and then there's more of a slow burn pressure right where there's not a guy flying up the middle or just beating his man but the pockets just kind of yeah. slowly you know kind of collapsing in around you I didn't think it was like in to an extreme extent but I still thought if I was to say who won the battle of the line of scrimmage between the Saints defense and the Packers offensive line, especially when you you know add in the fact that when they did try to run the ball, even though it was few and far between, it wasn't like there was you know gaping holes there. I, I thought the Saints won that battle, maybe maybe not massively, but enough that it still mattered. Like resistance that they just couldn't get past. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I feel like we have, to some extent, are already beat this defense down a little bit enough. I did want to talk at least a little bit more. Um, I think the big thing for me, and I guess I'll kick things off with defense, and I, and I mentioned this going into the season, they have to figure out an identity on defense. Do something well. Like, it, it, whether it's it's bend but don't break and you're not breaking and you're literally allowing field goals at the end, if you're going to allow them to march down the field and, and chew up the clock – whatever is if you're stopping them to field goals at the end okay we can live with that or if you're like you know what we're giving up points anyway we're going to be more aggressive so that maybe along the way we can you know we can hit the quarterback get a sack get a turnover something okay like I can live with a few big plays per game if that means you're also getting a couple big plays per game maybe it's just maybe it's pressure maybe it's turnover. like it's got to be something because right now it's nothing and that's a massive problem it goes without saying you're you're bending and breaking you're not getting turnovers you're not getting sacks you're not getting pressure what is it that you do well and if it's nothing I'm going to go back to my poker analogy if you can't spot the sucker at the table you're the sucker right now the Packers defense is the sucker yeah no it's true I keep thinking back to 2019 when the Packers pass rush was the focal point of that defense and they haven't been able to get back to that and everything is a domino effect with defense right if you're not getting to the quarterback then you're leaving things wide open for your secondary. You're allowing things like Kevin King to happen or they're paper cutting you down the field like you saw the Saints do with really long drives. So you're letting yourself get gassed and you're staying on the field for too long and therefore your offense isn't getting the ball. So you can't come back from behind if your offense doesn't even get the ball. And it just feels like this Packers defense so often like allows that domino effect to happen where they can't get themselves off the field. They're horrible on third and fourth down. That fourth and seven today just should have never happened. Like yeah. it just, and and Sean Payton knows to go for it on fourth down because he knows that he has a higher probability of converting. And you don't want that. You, If offenses aren't afraid of you, you're, you're doing something wrong. And the Packers, like you said, are just kind of doing everything wrong right now. And they're shooting themselves in the foot by leaving themselves on the field and getting tired and it just continuing to spiral downward. I think that's a really smart point, actually. And I didn't think of it in that capacity of like, when it was fourth and seven or fourth and anything, if if you have a good defense, 
Sean Payton punts in those situations, right? Like if, if, if you're afraid of that defense that you're going against, you're being like, you know what, we're, we're going to take our points or we're going to pin the offense deep and we'll live to see a, a different down because we're not going into the teeth of this team and the teeth of this defense. We're, we're, we'll, we'll live to see the next series. There was zero fear. Zeros. Yeah, that's a really great point by you. And I think it's very telling of what Sean Payton, that offense uh, felt. And look, listen, they had no Michael Thomas, right? Like they've got young tight ends in there that are playing really for the first time. Like Troutman didn't play a ton last year. Jawan Johnson comes up with that fourth down reception and two touchdown receptions. I did mention him as an X factor yesterday. That was the like one thing I got, the one takeaway I'll take from this, I guess. But um, man, yeah, they, they had no fear whatsoever. Um, let's do some quick hitters before we get out of here, because I don't know, uh, I don't know how much more we want to talk about this game, but the other fun thing, like the Z roughing the passer penalty, like just beyond, like, I actually think if you watch it, like he almost is like, he's got his Jersey, like almost trying to like, even as he's like in air, like trying to like lift him up to like, not hit the ground hard. And I thought Aikman and Buck did a great job of saying like, listen, Winston's not even asking for a penalty. Like he's going up and he's off the field. Like he, yeah, it's so it frustrating. Textbook. It was textbook what the NFL asks yep. pass rushers to do. He puts his head to the side. It's contact with the pads. He doesn't drive him into the ground. Both of them get up totally fine. It's just a hard hit. It's like, what does the NFL want defenders to do anymore? If you can't do that, you can't play hard anymore. You have to be afraid to go after the quarterback. And I don't think it would have necessarily changed the outcome of the game, but it really felt like such a demoralizing nail in the coffin. Like maybe the Packers could have come up with something after that stop, but once that happens, it's just you kind of throw your hands up after that. And can you imagine if what if Savage housed that, right? Like it would have been 24 to 10 and he didn't, obviously, but he like the flags out. They don't know what was going to happen like on the return. If Savage houses that and it's 24 10 with a full whole quarter to go like that is a totally different play. I mean, in who knows? Maybe Packers hit a shot play on the next play and score a touchdown like you, you just don't we'll know. And I, know. I think. I think, and again, one big play can, you don't know what that's going to spark, right? Like all of a sudden you feel like you're back in the game and you're like, okay, maybe we can go do this. And then maybe you get another play and those things can string together quicker than you thought. Green Bay had zero right winning this game. So we are not blaming this on a referee in any way, shape or form. Like they were outclassed and outplayed and out hustled and out hearted and out everything for four straight quarters and, and deserve every ounce of this loss possible. But um, I guess if you're looking at a silver lining, uh, get all this crap hopefully out of the way right now. Hopefully that was their, uh, you know, big awful call for the year and they can get that out of the way. Though hopefully the one Aaron Rodgers double interception game, hopefully we can get that out of the way. Like hopefully we just, you know, exercise some demons in this game and can kind of move on. Anything, um, I don't think there was anything surprising from a lineup standpoint, but we saw Chandon Sullivan in the slot that was expected, uh, but he was still the slot. We saw Barnes and uh, Campbell as the primary linebackers. It looked like Campbell was in, um, you know, as kind of the primary linebacker with Barnes being in a little bit more when there were two. Uh, of course, Kevin King was in over Stokes. We saw Henry Black as the dime safety. Royce Newman as the starting right guard. I think that kind of covers it, but all things that we pretty much expected, but at least noteworthy nonetheless that those were the decisions that they decided to go with for, I guess, better or worse. Yeah, for better or for worse was exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I think the only surprises were, again, just when you're down that bad, kind of why not utilize some of the guys on your roster that you may not necessarily start but could help you in those situations, like we already mentioned, like TJ Slayton or put Stokes in there and see what he can do. 
um, it, that that piece of it was was my only question mark, really. Any takeaways from the the Jordan Love uh, few passes that we got to see? Um, I think that it was a a good surprise for him to be able to get snaps in real time in a in a real game. Like those are absolutely priceless. Um, I thought he had some nice passes that, you know, that catch by Amari Rogers was really nice. He actually had the only Packers third down conversion. The fumble in the end zone for me is like, you can't do that, you know, but at least that, that play felt teachable, right? Like he can learn how to protect the ball in those situations. So again, just more sort of teachable moments for him. Um, it was kind of hard to be quite honest to really like pay attention and dissect what Jordan Love was doing when the Packers were just losing awfully. Yeah. Um, so I'll have to go back and, and look at it a little bit more. It's garbage time, but it's not real like, football. Yeah. Right. But and like none of the starters went in with him either. It's not like he had Devante or MVS. He did have the starting offensive line, but that was really it. Um, I just think that, again, it was a smart decision by the coaching staff to put him in at that point and let him get those reps. Yeah, I, I the the other thing that I wanted to note um, before we kind of wrap things up here, um, I thought it was a little bit of an uncharacteristic game from Matt Lafleur in a couple ways. I thought first of all, uh, right before halftime, uh, when they didn't convert on third down, um, there's about a minute fifty left in the in the quarter, and he doesn't call a timeout, and the Saints bring it all the way down to about a minute and seventeen ish seconds, and then go for it on fourth down. Of course, get the touchdown to make it, I believe, seventeen to nothing at the time. And then the Packers get the ball back with only a minute left and one timeout. They have what at the time was their best drive of the game, but there's just no time left because he didn't take the timeout to save 50 minutes. Like Aaron Rodgers doesn't need the timeouts, right? Like he knows how to get to the line of scrimmage, to spike it, to use the sidelines. Like two minutes, basically what would have been probably about a minute 45, minute 50 with no timeouts is plenty of time. Uh, Much better than, in, in my opinion, at least a minute 10 or less with no or with one timeout. So um, I thought that was a little bit uncharacteristic. Usually you're going to see Matt LaFleur call a timeout in that scenario. The other one was that fourth and two where they, you know, they did yeah. play action on fourth and like if it was like fourth and one, fourth and inches, yeah, by all means go play action. But the, the, not for a millisecond did anyone on the field or the Saints think that they were they were going to hand the ball off on fourth and two. Um, and then, of course, I mean, the 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 story there was that like Mercedes Lewis stumbled. There was a guy waiting for him, even if he didn't. There's a guy waiting for Devontae because nobody expected them to run the ball in that scenario, especially like in a in a power setting. Right. Like maybe if you're spread like four wide and you've got a running back in and they've got a light box, like maybe like maybe. Yeah, you could be a little bit. Um, gutsy there and and hand the ball off or something but nobody's running power on fourth and two like it's just it was so it was just weird things all the way throughout in this game yeah I I also I I watched the first game of the season every year with my dad Um, today I had the joy of listening to him complain about passes (laughs) for four hours Um, but we both were like what was that play call on fourth down just it's so not Matt LaFleur like just all creativity and went out the window and and then he goes for it at the beginning of the game when he goes for it on fourth down I was like I was like all right Matt LaFleur came to play today he's got some chutzpah he's like ready to go and then again it just it completely went out the window when things start to go go wrong yeah it was so odd um of course 
Uh, Josiah DeGuara and Darnell Savage both had injuries. Looked like Savage landed hard on his shoulder after the interception that got returned or turned back, I should say. Uh, he did not play the snap after and then didn't return in the game. So that'll be worth monitoring. Josiah DeGuara, of course, had the concussion um, and left, which looked a little bit scary at first. I thought they were going to pull out the stretcher. I'm glad they didn't have to. Ended up being a con- or at least it was diagnosed as a concussion to begin with. So Matt LaFleur said he would have updates on Monday in regards to that. Um, before we leave Perry, any silver linings from this game? A lot of things to work on. The Packers <laughs> can go back, right? I mean, yeah, they can go back and they can watch this tape and they can learn exactly what not to do for the rest of the season. Um, I think, you know, you said it already, kind of exercising demons week one, get it out of the way. Week one is always kind of wonky. We've seen some really crazy week one matchups and then teams continue to go on to have wonderful seasons. So I'm hopeful that they learn from this, they move forward and they end up having the season that I think everyone expects them to. Yeah. I think there's a lot of truth to that. I, I think there is value in taking your medicine at some, at some point. Like I do think that I adversity and getting just punched in the mouth can be very good and therapeutic at times for a team and no better time to have it than right away, like get it done with, get it over with. And hopefully you learn from it and you've got arguably the right team in week two to right the ship a little bit in Detroit. I'm just remembering as I'm doing this right now that my bold prediction was that the Packers would start seven and on the season, uh, which is not looking great. Uh, obviously. Yeah. Well done, Andy. I'm trying to see um, what the score is for this bears game. I have a light in the way. It looks like the Rams are doing well. Uh, we're recording this, obviously, as the yeah. Bears-Rams game is on. But I think the other takeaway is that the NFC North probably 0-4. Um, if I jinx this one, too, that's on me also as the, the Rams and uh, Bears are playing right now. But uh, Lions, of course, lost. Vikings lost. So um, seems to be a, a at least uh, even footing for the NFC North. Um, by the way, Saints last year, 38-3, to the same exact score. Beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was week nine, 38 to three. Uh, the Buccaneers, of course, would go on to win the Super Bowl. So losing 38 to three, not exactly a death sentence for your season, at least according to the Buccaneers a season ago. And you would, of course, much rather have it happen in week one than in week nine. You would think in week nine, that's a little bit more of like, you should probably have some things figured out at this point. Uh, but even at that point, even even in a 16 game season, uh, Buccaneers still able to right the ship after that and, of course, win a Super Bowl. And then Matt LaFleur, of course, six and zero after losses, winning the vast majority of those uh, by big numbers, double digits, things like that. So uh, Matt LaFleur, this was technically the first time he lost two meaningful games in a row going from NFC championship loss to opening season loss, but has yet to lose two games in a row in the same season. So knock on wood there as well. But I think those are some potential silver linings as well. Yep. And the Packers do have an extra day. So that's nice for them to get an extra day of rest as well and then be home to take on the Lions, who by all counts are definitely a worse team. So it should be a nice bounce back game for them, you would hope. Yeah, so I'm looking at it now. The the Rams are up 20 to 14, but it's first and goal and the Bears won. So uh, hopefully uh, Rams can close this out, I guess, and uh, all of the NFC North will be 0-4 and everyone's on the same footing and just win the North, get a home game, and then go from there. Perry, this was therapeutic as always after a loss. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, just uh, ready to move on from this one. And um, the next game that we will be watching, we will be watching together at Lambeau. So that's exciting. Absolutely. Along with uh, Dusty and Maggie, it's going to be an awesome game. I cannot wait to be in the stands, hear the crowd, 
all of it. Um, screw Owen one at that point. It's going to be amazing to be there and hopefully we'll be one and one by the time that game is done. Perry, you are amazing as always. Thank you so much for joining me. We will do this again uh, soon. I am sure um, that does it for us, but until next time. And as always go pack, go, go pack, go.